Welcome to Risk Roundup. What is commonly known as the World Wide Web is categorically just the visible surface of connected computers. Beneath this visible surface of global network of connected computers is an enormous and mostly unmapped network of computers called the Deep Web. Now, when we identify, evaluate, and understand the segment of the connected computers that is not indexed or mapped, and it is not searchable by traditional search engines, many questions arise to its very existence. Why is there a deep web? What happens there? What are the concerns? Why are there concerns? The biggest concern is perhaps the growing marketplaces of the deep web. This is largely because what happens in the deep web, deep web forums or deep web marketplaces, has real-world implications for not only individuals, but also entities across nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, in short, referred to as NGIOA, in cyberspace, geospace, and space, in short, referred to as CGS. Now, why is that so? Is it because most of the products and services that are commonly offered in the deep underground are not ethical and legal? While for criminals, it answers the need for that underground world, the many faces of complex CGS crimes that originates in deep web are becoming a great cause of concern to each and every one of us. The stolen data and information from cyberspace, geospace, and space made possible through the deep web products and services further ends up in the deeper underground known as the dark web. Now criminals or wannabe criminals use the stolen data and information to monetize and further cause personal or professional distress, damage reputation, commit identity theft, conduct espionage and extortion, expose private information to the public and even compromise corporate or government accounts and use them as a gateway to bridge confidential and private networks. This growing monetization of tradable goods and services in underground marketplaces is becoming the cause of great concern and a critical risk facing individuals and entities across NGIOA. Now, there is a growing belief that in the coming years, the deep web is expected to be involved in a lot of social and economic developments that will be much more visible and valuable than it is today. Now, irrespective of cyberspace, geospace, and space, the role of security professionals and community is and will be to strive to protect their clients or the consumers or customers. As a result, when users, that is individuals or entities across nations, its government industries, organizations, and academia, they get hit by malwares because they use the deep web then security community need to create and provide solutions for such complex security problems. To be able to do that requires very effective understanding of the deep web. So to discuss this further and to get that understanding, I'm delighted to welcome Nikolai Daniel to this roundup. Nikolai is the founder of Bitcrime and is based in Sofia, Bulgaria. Welcome Nikolai, we are delighted to have you on this roundup. Hello, uh, nice to meet you. My name is Nikolai and I'm the founder of Bitcrime. Great. Uh, we, we are really, uh, we welcome you to respond. We are looking forward to your understanding and expertise of this uh, topic that is uh, such a critical risk facing so many of us. So let's begin by this, Nicole. What is dark web? How is it different from deep web and worldwide web? Okay, okay. well, worldwide web is just a global internet. And the deep web is the part that's not searchable through search engines. So uh, anything that uh, you cannot find on Google pretty much defines as a deep web, where uh, dark web is a web that is accessible through additional software. Uh, the most uh, you know uh, known version of that is uh, Tor and uh, you know the onions, uh, where you need uh, to install Tor browser to access it, and um, that's pretty much it. I see. No, that that's that's a very good differentiation, and and not many people who are everyday using the majority of the population that is everyday using internet, they are not even familiar or aware that these kind of deep web or dark web exist that they should be careful about. So it seems, Nicole, that dark web is becoming a cause of great concern and is under increased scrutiny or uh, you know attention because of the challenges that is coming from that. Why do you think? 
Understanding the dark web is important for cybersecurity and cybersecurity professionals in this digital global age. Well, uh, first of all, uh, it's not just the dark web, it's the deep web as well. Cyber criminals usually inhabit that part of the internet uh, for obvious reasons. And of course, we, we want to know what they're doing. After all, we are trying to protect ourselves and our companies from uh, their uh, you know actions. Therefore, understanding them means we can adapt to their actions much better and just prepare a more adequate defense against them. Yes, absolutely. You are absolutely right about that. Now, while the dark web is seemingly used for questionable purposes and is a cause of great concern to each one of us, are there any legitimate or legal uses for the dark web that are happening and that people should be aware about? Well, pretty much dark web is a tool where you can stay anonymous. Um, and uh, of course, that creates a lot of problems. Uh, on the one side, there is a leg legitimate use of, the, you know, there are countries like China and Iran and many others that, you know, uh, prevent uh, or somehow try to, you know, uh, to prevent, yes, uh, the free speech, uh, the freedom of people, the freedom of expression and so on and so on. So that is a way to, you know, to actually uh, dodge the whole whole thing and pretty much do, um, um, you know, just uh, have your rights, human rights, pretty much. Yes, yes. No, that is very true. Now, Nicole, a lot of people use the term cyber underground. Is dark web also referred to as a cyber underground? Um, I wouldn't say just the dark web, but as I said, the deep web and dark web are the places where the cyber underground, uh, you know, uh, just uh, operates. And, and definitely the, the dark web is the place where the most uh, terrible things are being offered, uh, services that, you know, uh, I wouldn't even say or mention. Yes, then I, you are right about that. And that is a cause of concern that we, it's very difficult even to talk about that. Now, is there a cyber underground global market that all criminals from, you know, all parts of the world, each nation or, you know, any region of the world that they all are using the same uh, global market or uh, for their criminal activities or there are multiple markets that are nation or region specific? Now, you need to, re uh, to realize what's the mentality behind cyber criminals. Uh, they, of course, uh, enjoy anonymity uh, and they do not like centralized structures. Uh, for example, you know, Bitcoin is a, is a version of that, although it's not used only by cyber criminals, but um, they do not like to cluster together in one uh, spot and have, you know, one regulator of everything. They, they just want to make sure there are various places of course, some of them are much more open, others are uh, very country specific, very, you know, culturally specific. So there is a great diversity is what I can say. I see, I see. No, that makes sense. Uh, now, there are is so many people or so many, you know, criminals are of course interested and they are going to uh, this dark web or deep web or underground markets to, you know, benefit from that to carry on their criminal activities but there are also a lot of you know good people that are you know getting excited because there is easy money to be made in the, by doing the activities that happens in the dark web and there is so much you know concern coming out of that do you I mean for people who are just you know novice they have never been to the dark web is there a requirement that they need to meet for using the dark web or underground market or is it like open to everyone well again there is great diversity between uh different places where cyber criminals gather uh in the dark web other than for example having to download tor there are no restrictions uh except that some places require you know um people vouching for you require entry fees so it really depends but, but there is a place for everyone and and you know of course they make it so that if you're a newbie uh, or a novice uh, you know uh, cyber criminal you can get into places where you can learn more and just progress uh, so they have a pretty good structure there i can say so for security professionals they can keep an eye on those kind of uh, sites or place where they are normally the 
people who are not criminals but they want to be criminals they are going there so so that they can you know prevent uh, further criminalization so hope probably you know they can do that now the very fact that due to the existence of such underground markets in dark web or deep web it makes it easy for anyone with malicious intent to acquire weapons to not only use in cyberspace that is the digital you know malwares uh, and all those things uh, weapons to create digital crimes but also create you know weapons to do physical crimes in geospace that and also conduct many other criminal activities do you think these underground marketplaces operates just like any legitimate you know economy and uh, they are subjected to normal market forces also such as supply and demand because that's what we all go through you know in this real world that supply based on supply and demand there is a, a more manufacturing or production of products or you know services uh, that are you know provided is that the same philosophy that is also being uh, approached in the underground markets well um i can say nowadays yes it is like that exactly they operate like a legitimate business uh they have uh, management they have uh, sales they have um uh, you know marketing and advertising everything i mean absurd as it, it may sound they are actually very specialized in different areas and uh, I, I can say they they really operate like a legitimate business yeah that that is a cause of concern now i i was reading some reports that many of the underground sites are searchable via the world wide web so if you have the right search query anyone can access what you know they want to access or they need to perform criminal acts now it is said that ransomware can be purchased for as little as 10 us dollars isn't this a cause of great concern um and i i can add not just ransomware all kinds of things can be purchased freely and and with a you know great access and it's a, it is indeed a great concern uh because while they step up in their operations we kind of walk behind we need to you know uh, make sure we are one step in front of them not one step behind so yes yeah i can say it's a great concern for sure yes yes absolutely now you know the another big concern is that the lifespan of most of these underground sites is reportedly very short i mean it could be up today and tomorrow it would be gone so for when such criminal sites could be up one day and gone the next how can any investigations or investigators or law enforcement uh, people can keep up with this fast pace of cyber crime because if if a cyber crime occurs today and people you know note down the web the address of that uh, site and have all the details and they give it to law you know enforcement the when the law enforcement tries to you know go there and try to do something try to find out the details it's gone so that is a very you know difficult situation well it uh, definitely requires a lot of dedication it requires a lot of experience um uh, infiltrating the cyber underground is enormous effort and uh of course um it is something doable and we are doing it already um but the question is it it really requires some specialization there uh the law enforcement does not have the resources or you know just the capabilities of of committing such uh you know uh hard investigations um uh, they do they do that uh, uh every now and then but on a, some very serious cases and it's not it's not a common you know uh thing Yes, it seems so. Now, when you say specialization, Nikole, what do you mean? What kind of special skills or special tools that these investigators would require? Well, of, uh, one of the things is first you need a, a huge team of you know uh, experienced people so they can infiltrate these places, and then automation uh, plays a, a great role in that. um you know just going through these places manually is, is a, an impossible task and uh you need some way to actually gather the data to make sure that even if as you said a, a place goes down you still have the data you can still analyze it uh you need to have automation in uh, analytics tools as well so uh, you know it, it's just a matter of technology solving the problem really
Yes, no, that is a very good point that we would require automation, we would require machine intelligence and artificial intelligence, uh, and of course, experience that would you know help us to get closer to this kind of criminal activities. Now, irrespective of nations and regions, when you think about any crime in cyberspace, geospace, or space, the criminals are always following the money. That is their you know main uh, uh, criteria. Now, the underground criminal economy is growing so rapidly for criminals wanting to benefit from the security vulnerabilities of cyberspace, geospace, and space. So if you follow the money trail, what crimes are more profitable that is driving the rapid rise of products and services in underground marketplaces? And can you follow the money trail and be able to identify who are these criminals and uh, what are their motives? Well, um, so I'll start uh, from the from the end. Uh, yes, mapping the the or following the money trail is is one way to actually identify a cyber criminal. Uh, mapping, you know, things like Bitcoin uh, transactions, you know, blockchain actually um, is something doable, but it's hard task again. It requires automation. It's just part of all this uh, uncovering of of uh, or mapping of the cyber underground um regarding your other point that is uh you know that they always do things for the money in, that's not really uh, entirely true um i've you know i've uh, seen that uh, for specific cyber criminals especially from some arab countries uh, they sometimes you know target israelis uh, much more than you know, uh, it's 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 not a, it's not because they they want to profit. They really want to do harm. And uh, sometimes you know, uh, I I do see uh, cyber crimes being committed just for the sake of committing harm and you know wreak havoc and you know uh, just just create some damage to the to the people you don't like or uh, so so there is that as well. Yes, you are absolutely right. I think I need to correct that, that money is not the only motive. There are political reasons, there are personal reasons, there are uh, there are a lot of you know activists also involved that are trying to make a point. And there are some people, like you said, just they want a thrill out of you know doing something criminal. So there are a lot of motive motive I mean motivations that drives these kind of uh, activities, and that is a cause of concern. And we are seeing, like you said, you know, a lot of political reasons why people do what they do to uh, bring damage to others. Now, it is reported that in the underground markets, one of the many services offered is scripting services, which offer criminals a way to camouflage their malwares from anti-malware systems. So how do nations prevent such activities and be able to work towards proactive anti-fraud uh, compared to the reactive one, which is you know largely followed? Uh, so your question is just to clarify, uh, comparing the proactive and uh, reactive anti-fraud, is, is that a question? Yes. Uh, yeah, well, so the reactive anti-fraud is, is when you react after uh, fraud is committed. You analyze things after the fraud is committed and then you try to prevent any further occurrences of, of that pattern. Where proactive is actually when you know in advance that a, a, a certain pattern of fraud is going to appear and you can prevent any uh, crimes from you know happening uh, at all so it's much better but it's much more complex as well and i believe up until now we didn't have the capabilities and tools to actually um, provide an efficient anti uh, proactive anti-fraud in a manner that it can affect the business but that's something that will change in the next years so i'm i'm sure of that 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 is a you know that would be very good development now to be proactive for cybersecurity requires understanding of threat intelligence it is it goes the same for even you know geosecurity or space security that we need to have that threat intelligence uh, from the total internet not just you know the world wide web but also deep web and dark web so how is threat intelligence obtained currently? Because automation, uh, like you said before, you know, the automation is still, you know, in the work and we are, we are hoping that that would help us. And, but right now, a lot of processes are manual. So do you think the current threat intelligence processes that we have, they're effective? And if they're not effective, what is necessary for individuals and entities to have 
when in fact the underground threat intelligence about cyber crimes and criminals so they can proactively uh, you know prepare themselves or protect themselves well uh, for one we offer such services and we do have a platform that uh, automatically detects uh, and analyzes anything that goes on uh, in the deep or dark web uh, so uh, but I want to just uh, uh, mention that when when we are saying automation, actually the the cyber uh, security is is quite automated already. Uh, the threat intelligence is not uh, automated, and I believe that is going to bring some change into the way uh, it is perceived as a service uh, through the cyber security industry. Um, so, yes, through automation, as I said. Um, it is it is an enormous task, but then then again it's doable with technology, and uh, I believe that is going to bring some change in the in the industry. Um, other than that, if if you want to add something to that or no, that is good news that you know there is. Uh, I mean, we are all uh, hoping for the positive changes to come for the cyber security professionals and industry. But as you said, you know, the automation is already there and it is uh, helping. So are you telling me that it is the automation you're talking about is artificial intelligence based and it is effective for the cybersecurity? Well, um, cybersecurity uh, is automated in a way that, you know, they use different services, uh, different, uh, you know, ways to protect themselves and uh, analyze data. But that is when it comes to React, if it, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, have anything to do with, with actually understanding cyber criminals, it, it has a lot more to do with uh, having a system that just reacts to anything that happens. Uh, I believe uh, the machine learning is slowly getting uh, in the industry. Uh, artificial intelligence is uh, something of, a, of an uh, you know, abstract um, definition that I, I don't believe that we will see artificial intelligence any anytime soon. Uh, it is an immense task, and then you know. But machine learning is a is a just an uh, upgraded version of automation. It's an automation that can actually adapt itself to the to the environment, but still requires some you know uh, maintenance and and uh, adjustments. So machine learning. Do you are you saying that machine learning is already applied? Yes, yes, I, I believe, yes. Okay, okay, that is good to know. Now, it is reported that underground web has sophisticated products and services, so many different kinds, from malwares to worms to ransomware, any and all product and services that are necessary for conducting criminal activities are available in underground markets. Now, it is said that these underground sellers are trying to enable anyone with criminal intentions and that is obviously a problem. Is there any way to limit the growth of these kind of criminal organizations? Well, uh, one way to actually, the, the way I like to prevent uh, cyber criminals from growing is actually if you cut their uh, profits. So uh, companies don't realize when you let money go to cyber criminals, they, they actually have the capability to reinvest that. And their returns are huge. So if they reinvest anything that you let them have, uh, you know, the, the problem is only going to uh, to grow much, much bigger in a very short period of time. So the way I see things, uh, you, you got to cut the, the, you know, the profits they are making and, and ensure that way that they're not going to grow. How do you do that? How will you be able to do that? Cut their profit margins? It depends on the on, on your side of the industry. If you are a company that uh, you know you, you want to make sure that you react uh, uh, to any fraud, no matter how small, uh, while it is small, because it can grow and recognizing that it can grow much bigger in a, in a short period of time makes it that much more important to prevent any fraud from happening at all. So that's one of the ways, uh, the, the way we do it, the way the uh, war enforcers can do it is actually being a little bit more, uh, you know, um, serious about preventing uh, or, or stopping cyber criminals, uh, uh, you know, identifying them and, and um, bringing them to, ju to justice pretty much. Yes, yes. Now, it is said that some underground markets have very sophisticated and very structured organizational structure, while some runs just you know ad hoc uh, without any proper uh, you know processes or structure. Now this shadow economy of underground web is getting very sophisticated and is 
actually blurring the boundaries between legitimate and illegitimate business or legitimate and illegitimate industries. Where is this going, Nicole? Well, uh, I, I believe uh, it is it is already you know far ahead from from anything we expected. Uh, let's say a few years ago. Um, so, uh, and of course, I'll, I'll, I'll make the point that cyber criminals and, and criminals in general, they always want to hide b behind a legitimate business. Uh, it is, they, they also want to wander their money uh, and, and turn it into a legitimate business. Um, I believe where we are, we are going is actually uh, um, far greater importance of uh, cyber warfare, uh, geopolitics, Playing in uh, in the cyber field as well, um, you know, uh, infrastructure being uh, one of the issues uh, that cyber criminals might target. Up until now, cyber criminals were committing, you know, a, a petty crimes or, or small financial crimes, and nowadays they they're actually uh, committing serious serious crimes, and and uh, you know they can do uh, enormous damage on the financial market. On a geopolitical level, as well as I said, so we we need to be a lot more, uh, you know, uh, worried about that rather than the financial crimes they're committing. Yes, absolutely. So I mean, it, it is not just the malwares or uh, those kind of ransomwares that that uh, these criminals are using. They are also going after much, you know, more damage. They are trying to create more damage, like you just said, that you know they are going after. Not only financial industry, but some you know uh, other a bigger you know targets. So, what are those peculiar things, or what are, what else is available in the dark web or underground markets or deep web that is allowing this kind of uh, bigger impact? You know, if anybody wants to let's say destroy any system, any nation system, they have the tools available that they can use from this. You know, they can purchase from this dark web. And uh, they can go and destroy the systems that has taken probably centuries to build. So, what, from your knowledge and experience, what else is available in the dark web or traded that should be a cause of concern to everyone? Well, uh, as uh, you know, there is another point I would make here. That is, um, cyber criminals are slowly merging with real criminals. Uh, although both are criminals, uh, but you know we see, especially in the dark web, uh, it is very common to see drugs being sold, uh, weapons being sold, carrying hitmans, and and uh, you know even things much worse than that. Um, and it's a, it's a great great concern, and their anonymity makes it only that much more difficult for us to to prevent what they're doing. So. Uh, Having that in mind, we, we really should be worried about uh, real-life crimes that could be committed out of this anonymity provided on the, on the dark web. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, my, I always try to stay away from talking about any particular country or talking about any particular organization. I try to always talk about broader issues and broader risks that are, you know, impacting each and every one of us. But there are a lot of reports that says the Chinese underground is at the forefront of cyber criminal technology. And uh, it's leaps and bounds, it's growing in leaps and bounds and in the latest crimeware that are not only made, but also tested. What is the impact of Chinese underground on the global economy? And are those reports, uh, uh, that are saying that most of these uh, criminal cyber criminal technology is coming from there. Are they accurate about this? Well, yes. I don't want to point out specific countries as well, but it is uh, you know in order to be objective and realize uh, the things the way they are, we should do that. So uh, not only the Chinese, the Russians are also a key player uh, in uh, in this. And the point is, they're actually. Um, they're government backed as well, and uh, they do uh, commit some uh, crimes uh, for purely geopolitical reasons. Uh, so that is a great concern. Also, anyone uh, in China or Russia, they feel uh, much, much more protected from from being persecuted for any crimes committed, knowing that the government is backing them, knowing that there is a, a, a no 
no force that can uh, really, um, uh, you know, bring them to justice, so to say. So that is a, that is a concern as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that is a very valid point that the countries where the legal and judicial system is not very mature and it's not very neutral and objective that those are the countries where any criminals can get away with uh, doing whatever they want to do so that is a good point Nicola then that should be a cause of concern now uh, there are so many different marketplaces you know depending on the nations or region Japan or Russia or China or uh, you know Europe any France or Germany they, they all have their peculiar markets and of course North America also so how are all these different you know national regional marketplaces differ are there any peculiarities about each of this market well there are a lot of cultural differences if uh, if I uh, understand your question well uh, and uh, of course actually it is it is only that much more harder for us to infiltrate in these places uh, without actually knowing uh, or understanding their culture well you you, you stand a, a little chance of actually infiltrating successfully there and uh, speaking the language is just just the, the most basic barrier really uh, there is a, a lot more that you need to to realize before you uh, venture into uh, entering uh, these places yes yes that is that is true now Nikoli, since the beginning of the internet uh, what has been the history of the cyber underground? Did it happen as soon as the internet, uh, the connected computers, and all that origin, or what is the history? When did the, uh, you know, this underground deep web started, and you know when they started using the dark web? And if you can share some thoughts on that, what is the history of cyber underground? Well, I just want to point out out in general uh, of course there were hackers uh, ever since the beginning of the internet um, and uh, there are always curious people that you know want to understand how things work and and uh, reverse engineer if you will so that is only natural but um, then again you know once uh, people start seeing the opportunities you know they start uh, becoming real criminals uh, so the, the concerning thing I see in the history of, of cybercrime is that it actually started uh, not that long ago and it's growing much, much more rapidly than anything else in the internet or uh, in the real world. So um, that is a huge concern. Um, five or ten years ago, uh, you know, cyber criminals were having a lot less experience. They were a lot less organized. Pretty much they were self-sufficient in a way and uh, they they didn't have the means to communicate uh, and uh, onward we do see how they develop how they are uh, you know uh, deep web is one uh, sorry uh, dark web is one of the of the you know these tools there uh, it's, it's bringing them uh, uh, much more power and uh, I'm, I'm really concerned about that if they keep uh, growing with the pace they do right now uh, we might be for some serious issues in the in the near future. So it seems you're absolutely right. So it seems now underground markets are enormous. I mean, there are so many of them, and there are so many like as we have been talking, they are nation region specific, and all most of these markets they are mostly unmapped. These underground markets they are not mapped, so and they are not even searchable by traditional search engines they are you know much deeper so if you have the specific address you can go there in deep web and if you want to go to dark web you also require like you you know in the beginning you suggested you also need some other softwares uh, to be able to you know access that so how can amidst all this how can we map the cyber underground well the way we do it we actually download everything so once we download everything, uh, as I said, we do have access to it and we can make it searchable in our platform and it currently is. And you can look through all these places in a single uh, click of the mouse uh, and that makes it much, much easier, much uh, faster for anyone to analyze any given issues, uh, much better also to, to, you know, to bring uh, big data and, and uh, quantity uh, to, you know, see trends and, and define some serious issues. And even if it's, even if it's not for a proactive, it's for a very fast uh, way to react to anything that uh, is, you know, growing in the cyber underground before it actually, again, even happens. 
Yes, yes. Now, any criminal using the these malwares and uh, other tools that are available, they do they hack into businesses, they hack into organizations, or even governments or individuals. Now, once they hack, they collect. Their goal is to collect a lot of data and information. They take. So, what happens to the data and information that the hackers have collected, and when that reaches underground, how? What what happens to that? How does it get monetized? Well, as I said, they're very specialized. So, if they hack into a big data uh, or a database of, of of a big company, first they they try to identify what uses they can make out of the data. So if there is a monetary use, if they can profit from something, they'll definitely uh, treat that as a high priority thing to handle. Uh, and then there goes things that, you know, just can cause damage and, and uh, in a way that that's not profitable for them, but it justifies them, uh, you know, losing the time or, or the efforts to, to infiltrate uh, and penetrate the system. So... Um, after after they they collect let's say a financial data uh, there are there are different uh, online shops that are fully automated run by cyber criminals where uh, where they can uh, sell their uh, uh, you know uh, stolen data and they can uh, get a percentage of the sales and these shops are used by many many other hackers that you know uh, just go and purchase uh, piece by piece uh, the information stolen and they use it for a different kind of crimes. And that is just to, to explain how actually sophisticated their structure is. Yes, yes. Now, it, it seems that any individual's personal information, I mean, it could be me, it could be you, it could be anyone, or our personal computers and the computers that we evolved. So it's not just the personal computer, but laptops or uh, iPads, or now even the smartphones. They all seem to have tremendous value, and it seems to be the primary target of all cyber criminals to get that personal information and about about individuals and about what is there available on our computers. So, why are criminals looking for that personal information? What is their motive? Well, frankly, they they are looking primarily for financial information, and personal information is just much more accessible. Uh, having uh, access uh, for any device of yours is just a mean for them to collect more data to you know uh, to to do DDoS attacks or you know just have fun. Uh, so um, I would say that the financial information is their uh, primary target, uh, and only then goes the personal information because they can make a lot less money out of it. I see. Now it seems. Millions of personal records have been uh, stolen or they have been exposed based on the reported breaches only. Now, there are many breaches that are not even reported because a lot of uh, organizations, they still try to keep it quiet. They don't want you know the world to know that there was a security breach. So the numbers could be much, much larger. Now, as personal data remains, you are saying only financial data is, uh, I mean, that is largely you know important they are going after financial data but it also seems that they they are also going after a lot of personal data and uh, that is what i'm trying to understand that if you see the healthcare industry so much personal data is stolen it is not just the financial data and people are saying that if you uh, have if they get credit card information they get some money but if they uh, if they st steal the personal data from healthcare records and all that, then they make even more money. So they are that probably that is the reason why they are after so much of the personal data. And as personal data, uh, it's from my assessment, it seems that that remains a prime cyber criminal underground commodity. And uh, when sold, they not only you know give a lot of money, but they can also be used to expose its owners that if your individual's personal data is stolen then uh, they can expose that person to many different other risks so can you share what risk are we talking about because it's not just that they are uh, they get the financial information they make some money out of that but they also can get some other you know shady information about an individuals that they can you know exploit they can use that to uh, compromise uh, many other you know things about uh, that individual or that organization so what kind of risk are we talking about well um, um 
it's not just financial information of course there is a but it depends on the personal information if it if it's something simple it doesn't really make a great use for them if it's something as you said as a as a medical record then it makes a lot more sense to go after that uh, there are different crimes they're committing uh, definitely medical records is something worthwhile for them uh, there are people committing uh, different kind of frauds uh, when it comes with uh, to, to handling such information. Although they're uh, they're much more specialized in that, and there are not that many people doing it, but still, it's a great concern. And I want to point one of the things that really matters about personal information. Unlike financial information, you cannot change the you know the pin code and the, the credit card you're having and just just uh, make a new one and and solve the issue of of the compromised uh, you know data where with personal information if it's compromised it's compromised forever uh, you cannot uh, change any of that you cannot you know it is it is out there and it's it's there is no way for for you to to secure it back and uh, that is that is the primary concern with the with the personal information yes absolutely i mean if social security information is stolen or uh, uh, those kind of uh, I personal, I mean, identity is stolen. Those are very difficult to, you know, reverse and, uh, you know, get back to normal. So that you are absolutely right. That is a cause of concern, great, great concern. Now, every cyber criminal underground market has probably a place where stolen data is sold. I mean, those are marketplaces. Uh, those are different markets are uh, probably existing there. So any piece of personal information, personally identifiable information from credit card credentials to you know, logging data to uh, social security information or uh, some other information, they all end up uh, in these underground offerings. So if a corporation or government data is stolen, which has a lot of uh, highly confidential uh, state secrets, is there any way to block the sale and save and secure that kind of uh, state secrets or proprietary data? Well, if you can identify the cyber criminal who is selling the data, that is one way. And of course, uh, uh, again, bringing him to justice, that is one of the ways. Um, there are, uh, the, the problem is, you know, um, on overall, it is really hard to prevent anyone from selling something like that. And uh, once it's compromised, uh, companies, uh, as you said previously, they're just trying to hide it. They're trying to, you know, to say, okay, it's, it's not us. Uh, it never happened, you know, uh, things like that. So, so uh, it is it is a very complex and, and hard task to do. Uh, that much I can say. Yes, very true. Now, uh, we just talked about the healthcare. Why, you know, there is an increase in uh, healthcare uh, records that are being uh, targeted, and uh, I mean, we all have uh, seen that there are they are increasingly under attack. Now, why is we talked briefly about why you know they are going after healthcare records, but what happens to stolen medical records? I mean, we hear a lot of uh, hospitals that there there was a security breach and so many you know hundreds of thousands of uh, medical records have been stolen. So once those records are stolen, what happens to that stolen records? What uh, where does it end up? Well, the first thing, if your if your medical record is stolen, the first thing you might notice is there are, uh, all of a the sudden there are some charges to your, uh, you know, uh, uh, that are that are being associated with you. Uh, let's say surgeries or or other procedures you never had. Uh, the other thing is, uh, um, think from think of it from that way. You there are you know. Uh, let's say diseases or, or problems you might have that can affect your uh, let's say job uh, you might get fired uh, just because your boss um, got access to your medical record and he he you know decided to to actually fire you um, there are other other things as well i mean i mean you definitely don't want your information exposed and you're also open to to people blackmailing you uh, anyone who got access to that uh, data they can blackmail you, so that's that's a, an, another thing. Um, it is it is a really problematic uh, uh, thing to have compromised. Yes, yes. So it seems. I mean, they can also use probably the insurance information, and uh, yes. using that insurance card, they can go out and uh, do sur get surgeries done for uh, you know the people. So a lot of you know uh, fraud that can happen there. Now. 
if any individual's personal data is stolen, how, how much it is worth? Let's say, you know, a common man, he has no connection to, you know, government or any, you know, high profile industry or company. He's just a common person and his data is stolen. What is it worth in the black market? Well, it depends on, on um, the quantity. Uh, again, as I said, they operate like a legitimate business. If you can buy more, you're going to get a great discount. And if, if it's a huge data that was breached, uh, they can run a really low price just for the sake of, of you know, uh, selling as much as they can before the breach is discovered and before actions are taken. So you need to consider that as well. But uh, generally, you can purchase a credit card for just a few dollars. Uh, of course, US cards, uh, go much uh, cheaper than others um, so that that is uh, speaking by itself uh, as well so you can purchase some medical records for for as well as one dollar per uh, per medical record so so consider that as well you know it, it just depends on the quantity and the and the circumstances of the that being that is very interesting now the cybersecurity challenge is it's not just that we the common people or uh, we the, i mean the industries or businesses or governments that they are facing security challenges that they are getting the security breaches it seems that security challenges are also impacting these illegitimate organizations and following the tech i mean you must have heard the, about the takedown of the uh, black market Silk Road and uh, after that you know they announced a temporary shutdown to shore up their defenses security defenses and address the security vulnerabilities so that they cannot they won't get hacked again so uh, security hacks are not just you know impacting the legitimate entities and organizations uh, across nations but also these underground, you know, uh, entities and organizations. So these incidents uh, raise a number of questions about the deep web, including the role of law enforcement and how this will affect the future of organizations, companies, and users who are trying to seek anonymity. Because it seems that even in the, the deep web, if you have the effective tools, you can uh, probably you know create uh, security uh, and if there are security vulnerabilities you can hack those organizations so where do you see this you know the role of law enforcement and how would they uh, you know go ahead and do their job well um in terms of the the law enforcement, the Silk Road case is very interesting one. By the way, I advise anyone to you know to take a look at it. It's it's really interesting, um, and I also want to add that as you said, cyber criminals are much much more. Uh, much like the, the mafia, uh, you know, different uh, parts of the mafia, they're in fight with each other. They, you know, hack each other as well. So so there is that uh, um, in terms of the, the law enforcers and their, uh, uh, you know, position in the cyber uh, crime, uh, they, they really need uh, great tools, simple tools that can, you know, that they can use to, to um you know, uncover a specific crime or or work against these uh, cyber criminals. Uh, th th you know, you, you need to realize uh, it is it is extremely complex area, uh, and and it's it's not a, a task for a, for a, someone from the police to actually you know um, uncover a, a crime that is uh, happening. So so I, I believe with the progress of tools, different tools, and the the you know more user friendly they become in a way uh, the more law enforcers can take a, a you know more significant step into yes. preventing cyber crimes yes now we hear this all the time that in the deep web you know many users or people or these criminal organizations they have anonymity in the deep web so what do they do to become anonymous are there any software that they use that makes them anonymous well, uh, of course, they can use uh, different, uh, you know, servers. They can use, uh, um, you know, SOC proxies, for example. They can use Tor, which is uh, another way. So, uh, of course, there are different ways to, 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 you know, to provide yourself with anonymity. Um, so, anonymity, the problem is anonymity is very easily accessible to anyone uh, without any significant skills or, or uh, expertise in that area. They can, you know 
Uh, I, I believe uh, war, of, uh, war of teenagers and, and uh, even, uh, let's say, uh, 11 or 12 years old already know how to, to gain uh, anonymity in the Internet. So that speaks for itself as well. Yes, I mean, talking about Tor, that is a new router, how effective or safe it is in protecting a person's anonymity? Well, um, there is actually a way to, to uh, uncover uh, uh, or to... to uh, let's say, figure out who is behind, uh, um, who is hiding behind Tor and, and, and uh, who is the, the real person behind that. There are different ways, but I can say uh, for uh, for the accessibility of that tool, it is pretty pretty safe. And, and uh, uh, that, is, that is the problem. I mean, hackers are using it for that very reason. Yes, yes. Now, I mean, with all these softwares that are available that gives anonymity to all these criminals, I mean, that is definitely one of the challenges that law enforcement, you know, face. That is an obstacle for them to track down hackers and criminals. But what other challenges do you see, other than anonymity, that the deep web provides to law enforcement? Well, um, I, I believe, as I said previously, the biggest challenge is actually the the geopolitical changes, the, the cyber terrorism, that is the, the biggest challenges. And it's not just for law enforcement, this is for, uh, for every society in this earth. So, so uh, I, I really want to stress how important that is compared to, to uh, any financial crimes that could be committed. So we should definitely prepare for uh, cyber warfare and, and you know, just, just get that thought in our heads. Uh, yes. Yes, that we all need to prepare for that. And uh, it seems that some underground markets offer tutorials or training for criminals or wannabe criminals to learn how to be a criminal, to learn how to use all those uh, softwares or their markets or uh, you know to be anonymous and things like that. So who conducts the tutorials? Are these criminals that are providing that kind of uh, training or are those legitimate organizations that provide the training? Well, um, I want to point that uh, um, out as well, um, that cyber criminals, unlike what people are thinking, they're extremely sociable. They, uh, they're extremely cooperative as well. You know, they help each other uh, for no reason, just, just for the sake of helping. They, they treat each other as a fellow, you know, uh, uh, hackers, and, and they, they think they have a, a common cause that, you know, is in a way uniting them. But again, that is one of their huge strengths, but it's one of their huge weaknesses as well. Uh, because once they're, you know, uh, starting to, to spread information, spread, as you said, tutorials, there, there are tutorials everywhere, I mean, just everywhere in the, in the cyber uh, criminal world. After they start sharing this, we, we and, and anyone else also get access to them. So uh, we use that sociable, uh, you know, behavior they're having against them to collect more data, to figure out what they're doing, to, you know, just question them or, or uh, get information of any sort. Yes, yes. Now, cybercrime represents an underground economy. I think it's probably billions of dollars, or it could be, uh, you know, more than trillion dollars too. And it seems to be very organized, as we have been discussing. It employs they have expert hackers, and they operate just like any legitimate business or legitimate industry. Or economy. So, would you say that the underground economy operates very effectively? And uh, if so, what are the similarities between legitimate and underground economy? And uh, do you, I mean, do you see the lines blurring between legitimate and illegitimate business here? Uh, as I said, they definitely do. Um, Cyber cyber criminal world is is just copying what the the legitimate business is doing, with few differences. The cyber criminal world is much more uh, volatile. It changes a lot. It changes very fast, and the profits are huge there. So, if anything, they they also learn much faster. So, um, in a way, that's that's the difference between between the two. But other than that, you know, they just operate like a normal business. Uh, they have a lot more resources as well, but they have a lot more difficulties as well. Uh, so 
there are some differences, but they're generally the same, uh, at least in appearance. Yes, yes. Now, we briefly talked about fraud intelligence, but as the cyber fraud keeps coming in and it impacts individuals and entities across nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, how can we get the much-needed fraud intelligence in a timely manner? Well, as I said, by using services like ours, you know, uh, that are automated, that are, uh, you know, uh, definitely uh, having not just the data, because you, you need to realize it is, the big data is a, a big, big data. So uh, you cannot go through it uh, uh, manually and, 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 or uh, do analysis. Uh, you need analytical tools as well, along with that, that can, you know, uh, show what's going on. And even better, um, there is this uh, developing trend and, and we are, you know, uh, also using that, which is the real-time uh, uh, data charts or graphs that shows the, the whole data you're having in a, in a chart or a map or anything. And you can pinpoint an issue as it's happening because it's real time. You see if something is, is growing as an issue. Let's say if there is a fraud in specific country or a fraud in, in a specific area or, or, you know, anything like that. So, so it, as I said, it is, it is the tools that actually uh, makes it uh, um, available for, for companies to, to, to you know, uh, use that uh, channels of data. So can, you, can you give some specific examples of those analytical tools or the tools that you're talking about? Uh, for example, for uh, the real-time data charts, uh, I, I can mention Tableau is a, is a company. Uh, they have really good uh, product. Uh, again, um, for example, different technologies uh, provide uh, the capability of such. Uh, again, new technologies, uh, certain, certainly such we, that we use. Uh, for example, Elasticsearch. Other than that, uh, I, I, I think that that is uh, sufficient. Okay. Now, what is? I understand that. I mean, a lot of things are proprietary, also, so you don't yes. want to share that. And I can uh, understand and uh, accept that. Now, from your assessment, you have been in this business. You have a lot of experience uh, uh, tracking or mapping, and you know, going after these underground markets. What is the future? of cybersecurity that you see? And do you see any practical solution? I mean, you just talked about some very effective analytical tools and some proprietary tools that can be used for, you know, managing that cybersecurity needs or mapping, you know, these underground markets. Or can you recommend some, you know, practical solutions for proactive anti-fraud? Well, I can recommend our own uh, solution, which is BitCrime. Okay. Uh, other than that, you will be uh, foolish of me to recommend anyone else's uh, products. But, you know, I, I believe the industry is moving forward. And, and even um, our, uh, let's say, rivals or competitors, they develop uh, services that are, you know, um, very different. Uh, on the surface, they might look as the same thing, but they are specialized in different areas. And, and uh, in the end of the day, the one that is, you know, um, pointing the right direction. It is the one that's going to succeed. Uh, others will adapt. And, and um, I believe it's just, it's just a matter of few years before we really start to, to use uh, um, uh, such services on a, on a wide scale. Okay. So now you, you talked about that there are a lot of your competitors and they all have their unique ways of uh, going after this, uh, uh, you know, fraud and, you know, developing the proactive strategy and proactive, you know, softwares and all that. So how do you think that they, these solutions, I mean, your solution and, you know, your competitor solutions, that they will help different industries? Well, um, first of all, you need to understand um, um, the more the, the, the cybersecurity develops, the less, for example, friction there will be. So uh, identifying the specific area with a, with a high true positive or, or with a great accuracy, let's say, uh, is, uh, is very important because that way you can, uh, you know, uh, not bother the rest of your customers to go through uh, unnecessary security checks that, you know, just annoys them or, or you're losing pretty much sales that way. So I, I do see the future as a much more uh, uh, automated, much more uh, accurate in terms of, of uh, you know, uh, uh, narrowing down the area where the fraud is happening, 
and uh, I see it, uh, you know, uh, as we spoke earlier, uh, growing in the machine learning, uh, in the in the AI, possibly in the future uh, area as well. So uh, you know, I, I do see the future as as uh, machines doing uh, most of the job, and people just just. Uh, maintaining and, and just uh, making sure the machine operates correctly and, and just give the final say for for uh, specific decisions the machine is making but other than that that is that is how I see the future really yes yes I understand it now do you think there is enough focus on deep web or dark web especially from security perspective and if you have the power what would you change I mean of course you are trying to bring the change by developing effective tools and processes to help you know uh, organizations uh, across nations but if you have the power what kind of change would you like to bring for the you know security community well if i had the power to change uh, things i would definitely make the cybersecurity community uh, much more of a community because companies uh, still perceive each other as rivals they they wouldn't share information that could you know uh, uh, help their competitors you know prevent fraud because you need to in, uh, to understand many of these industries uh, the risk is is the way they they uh, gain competitive advantage or that they lose their business so it only makes sense that they don't have the best interest of their rivals and and sometimes they see fraud as a weapon to you know uh, to make sure that they're better and they'll they'll uh, uh, you know uh, have the market share and, and their competitors will uh, perish pretty much I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that there is while there is a need for competition, there is a bigger need for collaboration and cooperation when it comes to security challenges like this. So, and uh, you're absolutely right that there, I, ho I also hope that we can create that kind of, you know, community, that we all can share our experiences, our knowledge, our information, so that we can help each other and we can all collectively go towards securing not only cyberspace, but also geospace and space. Now, your organization with crime, is doing an effort in that direction. So would you like to share with our global viewers and listeners what does it do and uh, uh, what are your products and services uh, that you offer? Well, uh, we do, um, we have a platform uh, that collects big data from the cyber underground. Uh, we specifically target the cyber underground. We were uh, not specialized in any other areas. And we also uh, have the tools to, to analyze that data so that you know um, different companies can use it directly it is very efficient uh, especially for companies with a huge uh, you know uh, daily volume of transactions so um, uh, and war enforcers as well uh, and we we have different proprietary techniques i don't want to go into uh, details about what they are but but we have uh, great capabilities uh, i believe unmatched by anyone else to, to actually uncover the cyber criminal behind an attack to to, uh, to to name the person and to actually say okay this is who who uh, this is the guy who is doing this uh, specific crime it's it's not just uh, anyone and and um, I believe in, in identifying the cyber criminals there is a there is a no uh, there will be a great uh, uh, success into understanding better what's going on and and in general I believe that uh, up until now there was there was not an efficient way for for companies to to you know to understand the mentality of uh, hackers to to uh, gl glimpse uh, as to what's happening in the underground and you know to collect data there it was very very complicated as we spoke earlier because it is hard to infiltrate and so on so but but, but now that there are tools being developed and and one that are already uh, you know um, operating uh, i believe you know people will move towards that and, and we are just a, a provider of such services um so great yeah. great now i'm glad to hear about that uh, progress that your organization is making so thank you nicole for participating in risk roundup today we appreciate your thoughtful insight on deep web you know dark web underground markets and underground threat intelligence our global viewers and listeners they are going to benefit tremendously from the understanding you provided on the cybercrime, cybercriminals, cyber underground, and its associated security risks. So 
even if a single individual or entity is able to come up with ideas to advance security for the complex challenges coming from cyber underground to individuals and entities across nations and manages associated security risk based on the understanding they received from this discussion we had today this risk round of dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that okay i thank you as well i really appreciate your efforts into uh, creating a knowledge base for everyone so again thank you Great, wonderful, uh, Nikolai. So now, as the cyber underground deep web part of the internet keeps growing rapidly, the battle of encryption, privacy, and security is likely going to continue. The question is whether encryption is effective and our battle for privacy and security is having any meaningful advances. Since the deep web is expected to be involved in a lot of social and economic developments that will be vital in the coming years, from a security perspective, this is a critical risk that needs to be addressed and managed with caution. Risk group, cybersecurity risk research center, and strategic security risk research center are created for this very reason to identify, evaluate, and manage the risk facing NGIOA in CGS, that means nations, government, industries, organizations, and academia in cyberspace, geospace, and space, and discuss, debate, and define necessary framework, structure, tools, and processes to manage the security risk of not only the digital global age, but also of the coming technological superconvergence, We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two all three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security, so if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security, and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos, or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupalacy.com. And do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.